Chapter Four of Part Four of The Idiot, Parts Three and Four by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The time appointed was twelve o'clock, and the prince, returning home unexpectedly late, found the general waiting for him. At the first glance, he saw that the latter was displeased, perhaps because he had been kept waiting. The prince apologized and quickly took a seat he seemed strangely timid before the general this morning for some reason and felt as though his visitor were some piece of china which he was afraid of breaking on scrutinizing him the prince soon saw that the general was quite a different man from what he had been the day before he looked like one who had come to some momentous resolve his calmness however was more apparent than real he was courteous but there was a suggestion of injured innocence in his manner i've brought your book back he began indicating a book lying on the table much obliged to you for lending it to me ah yes well did you read it general it's curious isn't it said the prince delighted to be able to open up conversation upon an outside subject curious enough yes but crude and of course dreadful nonsense probably the man lies in every other sentence the general spoke with considerable confidence and dragged his words out with a conceited drawl oh but it's only the simple tale of an old soldier who saw the french enter moscow some of his remarks were wonderfully interesting remarks of an eye-witness are always valuable whoever he be don't you think so had i been the publisher i should not have printed it as to the evidence of eye-witnesses in these days people prefer impudent lies to the stories of men of worth and long service i know of some notes of the year eighteen twelve which i have determined prince to leave this house mr lebedeff's house the general looked significantly at his host of course you have your own lodging at pavlovsk at at your daughter's house began the prince quite at a loss what to say he suddenly recollected that the general had come for advice on a most important matter affecting his destiny at my wife's in other words at my own place my daughter's house i beg your pardon i i leave lebedeff's house my dear prince because i have quarrelled with this person i broke with him last night and am very sorry that i did not do so before i expect respect prince even from those to whom i give my heart so to speak prince i have often given away my heart and am nearly always deceived this person was quite unworthy of the gift there is much that might be improved in him said the prince moderately but he has some qualities which though amid them one cannot but discern a cunning nature reveal what is often a diverting intellect the prince's tone was so natural and respectful that the general could not possibly suspect him of any insincerity oh that he possesses good traits i was the first to show when i very nearly made him a present of my friendship i am not dependent upon his hospitality and upon his house i have my own family i do not attempt to justify my own weakness i have drunk with this man and perhaps i deplore the fact now but i did not take him up for the sake of drink alone excuse the crudeness of the expression prince i did not make friends with him for that alone i was attracted by his good qualities but when the fellow declares that he was a child in eighteen twelve and had his left leg cut off and buried in the vagarkoff cemetery in moscow such a cock-and-bull story amounts to disrespect my dear sir to to 
impudent exaggeration oh he was very likely joking he said it for fun i quite understand you you mean that an innocent lie for the sake of a good joke is harmless and does not offend the human heart some people lie if you like to put it so out of pure friendship in order to amuse their fellows but when a man makes use of extravagance in order to show his disrespect and to make clear how the intimacy bores him it is time for a man of honour to break off the said intimacy and to teach the offender his place the general flushed with indignation as he spoke oh but lebedeff cannot have been in moscow in eighteen twelve he is much too young it is all nonsense very well but even if we admit that he was alive in eighteen twelve can one believe that a french chasseur pointed a cannon at him for a lark and shot his left leg off he says he picked his own leg up and took it away and buried it in the cemetery he swore he had a stone put up over it with the inscription here lies the leg of collegiate secretary lebedeff and on the other side rest beloved ashes till the morn of joy and that he has a service read over it every year which is simply sacrilege and goes to moscow once a year on purpose he invites me to moscow in order to prove his assertion and show me his leg's tomb and the very cannon that shot him he says it's the eleventh from the gate of the kremlin an old-fashioned falconet taken from the french afterwards and meanwhile both his legs are still on his body said the prince laughing i assure you it is only an innocent joke and you need not be angry about it excuse me wait a minute he says that the leg we see is a wooden one made by chernosvitov they do say one can dance with those quite so quite so and he swears that his wife never found out that one of his legs was wooden all the while they were married when i showed him the ridiculousness of all this he said well if you were one of napoleon's pages in eighteen twelve you might let me bury my leg in the moscow cemetery why did you say began the prince and paused in confusion the general gazed at his host disdainfully oh go on he said finish your sentence by all means say how odd it appears to you that a man fallen to such a depth of humiliation as i can ever have been the actual eye-witness of great events go on i don't mind has he found time to tell you scandal about me no i've heard nothing of this from lebedeff if you mean lebedeff hm i thought differently you see we were talking over this period of history i was criticizing a current report of something which then happened and having been myself an eye-witness of the occurrence you are smiling prince you are looking at my face as if oh no not at all i-i am rather young-looking i know but i am actually older than i appear to be i was ten or eleven in the year eighteen twelve i don't know my age exactly but it has always been a weakness of mine to make it out less than it really is i assure you general i do not in the least doubt your statement one of our living autobiographers states that when he was a small baby in moscow in eighteen twelve the french soldiers fed him with bread well there you see said the general condescendingly there is nothing whatever unusual about my tale truth very often appears to be impossible i was a page it sounds strange i dare say had i been fifteen years old i should probably have been terribly frightened when the french arrived as my mother was who had been too slow about clearing out of moscow 
but as i was only just ten i was not in the least alarmed and rushed through the crowd to the very door of the palace when napoleon alighted from his horse undoubtedly at ten years old you would not have felt the sense of fear as you say blurted out the prince horribly uncomfortable in the sensation that he was just about to blush of course and it all happened so easily and naturally and yet were a novelist to describe the episode he would put in all kinds of impossible and incredible details oh cried the prince i have often thought that why i know of a murder for the sake of a watch it's in all the papers now but if some writer had invented it all the critics would have jumped down his throat and said the thing was too improbable for anything and yet you read it in the paper and you can't help thinking that out of these strange disclosures is to be gained the full knowledge of russian life and character you said that well general it is so true concluded the prince warmly delighted to have found a refuge from the fiery blushes which had covered his face yes it's quite true isn't it cried the general his eyes sparkling with gratification a small boy a child would naturally realize no danger he would shove his way through the crowds to see the shine and glitter of the uniforms and especially the great man of whom every one was speaking for at that time all the world had been talking of no one but this man for some years past the world was full of his name i so to speak drew it in with my mother's milk napoleon passing a couple of paces from me caught sight of me accidentally i was very well dressed and being all alone in that crowd as you will easily imagine oh of course naturally the sight impressed him and proved to him that not all the aristocracy had left moscow that at least some nobles and their children had remained behind just so just so he wanted to win over the aristocracy when his eagle eye fell on me mine probably flashed back in response voilà un garçon bien éveillé que ton père i immediately replied almost panting with excitement a general who died on the battlefields of his country le fils ton boyard est ton brave pas de sous la marche j'aime le boyard même tout petite to this keen question i replied as keenly the russian heart can recognize a great man even in the bitter enemy of his country at least i don't remember the exact words you know but the idea was as i say napoleon was struck he thought a minute and then said to his sweet i like that boy's pride if all russians think like this child then he didn't finish but went on and entered the palace i instantly mixed with his suite and followed him i was already in high favour i remember when he came into the first hall the emperor stopped before a portrait of the empress catherine and after a thoughtful glance remarked that was a great woman and passed on well in a couple of days i was known all over the palace and the kremlin as le pit boyard i only went home to sleep they were nearly out of their minds about me at home a couple of days after this napoleon's page de bazancourt died he had not been able to stand the trials of the campaign napoleon remembered me i was taken away without explanation the dead page's uniform was tried on me and when i was taken before the emperor dressed in it he nodded his head to me and i was told that i was appointed to the vacant post of page well i was glad enough for i had long felt the greatest sympathy for this man and then the pretty uniform and all that only a child you know and so on it was a dark green dress-coat with gold buttons red facings white trousers and a white silk waistcoat 
silk stockings shoes with buckles and top-boots if i were riding out with his majesty or with the suite though the position of all of us at that time was not particularly brilliant and the poverty was dreadful all round yet the etiquette at court was strictly preserved and the more strictly in proportion to the growth of the forebodings of disaster quite so quite so of course murmured the poor prince who didn't know where to look your memoirs would be most interesting the general was of course repeating what he had told lebedeff the night before and thus brought it out glibly enough but here he looked suspiciously at the prince out of the corners of his eyes my memoirs he began with redoubled pride and dignity write my memoirs the idea has not tempted me and yet if you please my memoirs have long been written but they shall not see the light until dust returns to dust then i doubt not they will be translated in all languages not of course on account of their actual literary merit but because of the great events of which i was the actual witness though but a child at the time as a child i was able to penetrate into the secrecy of the great man's private room at nights i have heard the groans and wailings of this giant in distress he could feel no shame in weeping before such a mere child as i was though i understood even then that the reason for his suffering was the silence of the emperor alexander yes of course he had written letters to the latter with proposals of peace had he not put in the prince we did not know the details of his proposals but he wrote letter after letter all day and every day he was dreadfully agitated sometimes at night i would throw myself upon his breast with tears oh how i loved that man ask forgiveness oh ask forgiveness of the emperor alexander i would cry i should have said of course make peace with alexander but as a child i expressed my idea in the naive way recorded oh my child he would say he loved to talk to me and seemed to forget my tender years oh my child i am ready to kiss alexander's feet but i hate and abominate the king of prussia and the austrian emperor and-and-but you know nothing of politics my child he would pull up remembering whom he was speaking to but his eyes would sparkle for a long while after this well now if i were to describe all this and i have seen greater events than these all these critical gentlemen of the press and political parties oh no thanks i'm their very humble servant but no thanks quite so parties you are very right said the prince i was reading a book about napoleon and the waterloo campaign only the other day by Chirasse, in which the author does not attempt to conceal his joy at napoleon's discomfiture at every page well now i don't like that it smells of party you know you are quite right and were you much occupied with your service under napoleon the general was in ecstasies for the prince's remarks made as they evidently were in all seriousness and simplicity quite dissipated the last relics of his suspicion i know charisse's book oh i was so angry with his work i wrote to him and said i forget what at this moment you ask whether i was very busy under the emperor oh no i was called page but hardly took my duty seriously besides napoleon very soon lost hope of conciliating the russians and he would have forgotten all about me had he not loved me for personal reasons i don't mind saying so now my heart was greatly drawn to him too my duties were light 
i merely had to be at the palace occasionally to escort the emperor out riding and that was about all i rode fairly well he used to have a ride before dinner and his suite on those occasions were generally davoust myself and rustan constant said the prince suddenly and quite involuntarily no constant was away then taking a letter to the empress josephine instead of him there were always a couple of orderlies and that was all excepting of course the generals and marshals whom napoleon always took with him for the inspection of various localities and for the sake of consultation generally i remember there was one davoust nearly always with him a big man with spectacles they used to argue and quarrel sometimes once they were in the emperor's study together just those two and myself i was unobserved and they argued and the emperor seemed to be agreeing to something under protest suddenly his eye fell on me and an idea seemed to flash across him child he said abruptly if i were to recognize the russian orthodox religion and emancipate the serfs do you think russia would come over to me never i cried indignantly the emperor was much struck in the flashing eyes of this patriotic child i read and accept the fiat of the russian people enough davoust it is mere fantasy on our part come let's hear your other project yes but that was a great idea said the prince clearly interested you ascribe it to davoust do you well at all events they were consulting together at the time of course it was the idea of an eagle and must have originated with napoleon but the other project was good too it was the conseil du lion as napoleon called it this project consisted in a proposal to occupy the kremlin with the whole army to arm and fortify it scientifically to kill as many horses as could be got and salt their flesh and spend the winter there and in spring to fight their way out napoleon liked the idea it attracted him we rode round the kremlin walls every day and napoleon used to give orders where they were to be patched where built up where pulled down and so on all was decided at last they were alone together those two and myself napoleon was walking up and down with folded arms i could not take my eyes off his face my heart beat loudly and painfully i'm off said davoust where to asked napoleon to salt horseflesh said davoust napoleon shuddered his fate was being decided child he addressed me suddenly what do you think of our plan of course he only applied to me as a sort of toss-up you know i turned to davoust and addressed my reply to him i said as though inspired escape general go home the project was abandoned davoust shrugged his shoulders and went out whispering to himself bah il deviant superstitio next morning the order to retreat was given all this is most interesting said the prince very softly if it really was so that is i mean he hastened to correct himself oh my dear prince cried the general who was now so intoxicated with his own narrative that he probably could not have pulled up at the most patent indiscretion you say if it really was so there was more much more i assure you these are merely a few little political acts i tell you i was the eye-witness of the nightly sorrow and groanings of the great man and of that no one can speak but myself towards the end he wept no more though he continued to emit an occasional groan but his face grew more overcast day by day as though eternity were wrapping its gloomy mantle about him 
occasionally we passed whole hours of silence together at night rustan snoring in the next room that fellow slept like a pig but he's loyal to me and my dynasty said napoleon of him sometimes it was very painful to me and once he caught me with tears in my eyes he looked at me kindly you are sorry for me he said you my child and perhaps one other child my son the king of rome may grieve for me all the rest hate me and my brothers are the first to betray me in misfortune i sobbed and threw myself into his arms he could not resist me he burst into tears and our tears mingled as we folded each other in a close embrace write oh write a letter to the empress josephine i cried sobbing napoleon started reflected and said you remind me of a third heart which loves me thank you my friend and then and there he sat down and wrote that letter to josephine with which constant was sent off next day you did a good action said the prince for in the midst of his angry feelings you insinuated a kind thought into his heart just so prince just so how well you bring out that fact because your own heart is good cried the ecstatic old gentleman and strangely enough real tears glistened in his eyes yes prince it was a wonderful spectacle and do you know i all but went off to paris and should assuredly have shared his solitary exile with him but alas our destinies were otherwise ordered we parted he to his island where i am sure he thought of the weeping child who had embraced him so affectionately at parting in moscow and i was sent off to the cadet corps where i found nothing but roughness and harsh discipline alas my happy days were done i do not wish to deprive your mother of you and therefore i will not ask you to go with me he said the morning of his departure but i should like to do something for you he was mounting his horse as he spoke write something in my sister's album for me i said rather timidly for he was in a state of great dejection at the moment he turned called for a pen took the album how old is your sister he asked holding the pen in his hand three years old i said ah petite fille alors and he wrote in the album ne montez jamais napoleon votre mon sincère such advice and at such a moment you must allow prince was yes quite so very remarkable this page of the album framed in gold hung on the wall of my sister's drawing-room all her life in the most conspicuous place till the day of her death where it is now i really don't know heavens it's two o'clock how have i kept you prince it is really most unpardonable of me the general rose oh not in the least said the prince on the contrary i have been so much interested i am really very much obliged to you prince said the general pressing his hand and looking at him with flashing eyes and an expression as though he were under the influence of a sudden thought which had come upon him with stunning force prince you are so kind so simple-minded that sometimes i really feel sorry for you i gaze at you with a feeling of real affection oh heaven bless you may your life blossom and fructify in love mine is over forgive me forgive me he left the room quickly covering his face with his hands the prince could not doubt the sincerity of his agitation he understood too that the old man had left the room intoxicated with his own success the general belonged to that class of liars who in spite of their transport of lying invariably suspect that they are not believed 
on this occasion when he recovered from his exultation he would probably suspect mushkin of pitying him and feel insulted have i been acting rightly in allowing him to develop such vast resources of imagination the prince asked himself but his answer was a fit of violent laughter which lasted ten whole minutes he tried to reproach himself for the laughing fit but eventually concluded that he needn't do so since in spite of it he was truly sorry for the old man the same evening he received a strange letter short but decided the general informed him that they must part for ever that he was grateful but that even from him he could not accept signs of sympathy which were humiliating to the dignity of a man already miserable enough when the prince heard that the old man had gone to nina alexandrovna though he felt almost easy on his account we have seen however that the general paid a visit to lisabetha prokofievna and caused trouble there the final upshot being that he frightened mrs epanchin and angered her by bitter hints as to his son gania he had been turned out in disgrace eventually and this was the cause of his bad night and quarrelsome day which ended in his sudden departure into the street in a condition approaching insanity as recorded before kolya did not understand the position he tried severity with his father as they stood in the street after the latter had cursed the household hoping to bring him round that way well where are we to go now father he asked you don't want to go to the prince's you have quarrelled with lebedeff you have no money i never have any and here we are in the middle of the road in a nice sort of mess better to be of a mess than in a mess i remember making a joke something like that at the mess in eighteen hundred and forty forty i forget where is my youth where is my golden youth who was it said that kolya it was gogol in dead souls father cried kolya glancing at him in some alarm dead souls yes of course dead when i die kolya you must engrave on my tomb here lies a dead soul shame pursues me who said that kolya i don't know father there was no eropagoff eroshka eropagoff he cried suddenly stopping in the road in a frenzy no eropagoff and my own son to say it eropagoff was in the place of a brother to me for eleven months i fought a duel for him he was married afterwards and then killed on the field of battle the bullet struck the cross on my breast and glanced off straight into his temple i'll never forget you he cried and expired i served my country well and honestly kolya but shame shame has pursued me you and nina will come to my grave kolya poor nina i always used to call her nina in the old days and how she loved nina nina oh nina what have i ever done to deserve your forgiveness and long-suffering oh kolya your mother has an angelic spirit an angelic spirit kolya i know that father look here dear old father come back home let's go back to mother look she ran after us when we came out what have you stopped here for just as though you didn't take in what i said why are you crying father poor kolya cried himself and kissed the old man's hands you kiss my hands mine yes yes yours yours what is there to surprise anyone in that come come you mustn't go on like this crying in the middle of the road and you a general too a military man come let's go back god bless you dear boy for being respectful to a disgraced man yes 
to a poor disgraced old fellow your father you shall have such a son yourself la roi de rome oh curses on this house come come what does all this mean cried kolya beside himself at last what is it what has happened to you why don't you wish to come back home why have you gone out of your mind like this i'll explain it i'll explain all to you don't shout you shall hear le roi de rome oh i am sad i am melancholy nurse where is your tomb who said that kolya i don't know i don't know who said it come home at once come on i'll punch gania's head myself if you like only come oh where are you off to again the general was dragging him away towards the door of a house near he sat down on the step still holding kolya by the hand bend down bend down your ear i'll tell you all disgrace bend down i'll tell you in your ear what are you dreaming of said poor frightened kolya stooping down towards the old man all the same la roi de rome whispered the general trembling all over what what do you mean what roi de rome i i the general continued to whisper clinging more and more tightly to the boy's shoulder i wish to tell you all maria maria petrovna su 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 kolya broke loose seized his father by the shoulders and stared into his eyes with frenzied gaze the old man had grown livid his lips were shaking convulsions were passing over his features suddenly he leant over and began to sink slowly into kolya's arms he's got a stroke cried kolya loudly realizing what was the matter at last End of chapter four